Deke Shock. Deke Shock. Segment. Andy, Andy possesses us all. <laughs> should we? Should we really? <laughs> just and that's it. It's just like all four of us just do a and then we go move on. It was really funny. Once again, I'm hanging out with Major Meh, and he once again commented because we we teased him about listening to podcasts at two times speed. Okay, and. <laughs> And he was just like, yeah, it's, a, it's Geek Shock is so funny because Kirsten sounds exactly the same, you know. Uh, Jeff's stories still take as long. <laughs> wow. And then he's like, and Andy is still unintelligible. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't Well, help. now it makes me wonder what programming uses because some when you put it on two times it attenuates the mm. uh, the pitch so that it, you sound the same double speed as you do normal. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. uh, I don't know what he. I don't know what he uses. Because we had that in film school, like literally. Take a drink, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you literally just click the tab. Uh, in fact, I even have it on Adobe Premiere at home. I can mm. speed it up and attenuate, and it sounds the same. It just it's faster. Now, uh, uh, kind of talked about it last time. Um, there is a feature that you can actually change the pitch mm -hmm. without shortening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, both sound editors have that sort of thing now. Okay. Because <clears throat> I have a project I want to. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you can you can make <laughs> somebody sound like they've been slowed down to like a quarter speed without slowing it down at all. It's okay. it's 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 a lot of fun, man. You I, can do some crazy shit with. Remember, that. remember early in 2016, 2017 when they were doing those Trump slowed down ones. <laughs> <laughs> Hot damn, that shit was funny. Just about everybody sounds drunk slowed down, but some people give it a little extra. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. Oh, Unlike Steve, who sounds very sober when he slows down. That's exactly correct. <laughs> That's how you know I'm not drunk at all. Let's see, and that was the magic of audacity. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, times. to Geek Shock number 709. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. With Professor Biggs. And we're going to talk wiki week. Noah. Wiki 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 wiki. Wiki 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 wow. Me, I'm derpy derp. Wiki 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 wow. Beady beady. Hi, Buck. Oh, Buck. But no, no, Deb, no Barry this week. So I know. Deadbeats. This is. Yeah, they just. They. Those two do not commit enough to the show. Not completely. Just, it's terrible. Right. It's, it's like we're some kind of friggin' hobby that is so disposable to them. Yeah. Afterthought. Yes. The only reason I can think as to why they might not be here uh, is the gift that I sent them this week. Oh, you oh, sent them a gift? Right. right. Yeah. I, well... It, I, I heard the allusions to it. Who, Apparently it was a bunch of great stuff from... Who doesn't like a big bunch of surprises, right? Yeah, right. Everyone loves mail that isn't bills and junk mail. Oh, my God. I like just... like uh, out of the blue subscriptions to Maxim, for instance, that gets delivered to my mom's house. <laughs> what? what? 
Oh, that wasn't you? <laughs> no. All right. I, I, I would I would look deeper than Maxim. <laughs> there was somebody. I was like, why am I getting this? You you I would have sent Golf Digest. <laughs> All right, guns and ammo, and National Review. Oh, 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 oh. me, 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 me. What would you have sent me? Yeah. Not bridal. <laughs> Freaking. I want to hear what what Todd what Todd would send to you. This is a new segment. <laughs> Goodness sakes! What would you subscribe me to, Todd? Uh, to you, uh, I would send Romance Weekly. Oh. <laughs> is there a magazine that deals with musicals? Oh, oh yes, there's uh, there's. Uh, you don't want to Broadway give him something review. he would like. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, "Ooh, that is exactly it." Well, Broadway magazine, I'd be sort of interested in some theater. Yeah. Sure, sure, and that's why Romance Weekly. <sighs> Romance. Wasn't one of the ones you sent Barry Modern Bride or something yes. like that? Yeah, that, yeah, I, when I did, that was when the I, one that I I remember seeing it and just going, "That is that is." I awesome. sent him a basketball magazine. I think I sent him a farming magazine. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, there there was I can't remember the name of the uh, the company, but it was one of those you know the, the, they're out there all over the place, uh, kind of like Woot, right? Where every day there's some kind of special thing going on. Well, there was one that one of their categories was this is the magazine of the day, and it was always something awful. <laughs> yeah. And so and like, well, I don't want that for a dollar fifty, but I know someone who would. <laughs> And wasn't there some kind of a crazy add-on, like like as you were checking out, it's like for a dollar more, you can subscribe to any of these five. Perhaps. I swear to God, because you were like Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> Kevin Aaron, and you're like, I'm adding these on too. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I, I, it was like eighteen to twenty-two different subscriptions. That's all I really remember at the time. Yeah. It was, it was glorious, and it was amazing I, how cheap it was, was too. It was amazing is how long it took him to figure out it was me. That's what we. I don't know why I'm getting all these for a month. All right, sure. <laughs> it's it's very funny when somebody does a, I don't know why I'm getting, finish the sentence in the presence of Todd. <laughs> and doesn't think that it's yeah. him. <laughs> and, and that was, that happened again this week. Uh, those on the Kofi kind of witnessed it in real time. Uh, so we Kofi members got to see that. Uh, my wife recently discovered Timu. Oh, uh, I, I, I want everyone right now, if you're thinking about Timu, don't. Don't. Stop oh. Right now. It's it's the new wish. Um, and so, but it, it is full of just cheap crap. Yeah. And so after my wife showing me, see this, look at this. It's a magnet with a cat's butt with balls on it. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> that's, that's what Timu has. Okay. <laughs> my first clue was the hard push they have in like every form of advertising oh, yep. sure. on yeah. social media yeah. in like games that like free games that you have that that's the first thing that pops up yeah. it's just like holy shit they are really giving the hard sell yeah. on this i've uh, never been to timu i've never I, opened i, I won't thing. either i've never done it. but when todd said i sent them stuff from timu i instantly knew what was happening my wife likes to watch a lot of Box opening influencers, all right? That's oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there is a group of them that do two Timu halls. Oh, God. <laughs> and one of her ones that she is very entertained by uh, was, and so now my wife has discovered Timu. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's been a goddamn headache. <laughs> all right. uh, the, the first shipment was fine. It was about 30 things, uh, three of them broken. That's not a bad percentage for Timu. But everything that's gotten sent since that first shipment. 
shipment has been insanity. <laughs> One of them was delivered to a door in the alleyway behind our condo. Wow. Because their delivery companies that they choose are awful. Wow. So it has been just a, you know, where the homeless people stay. And so somebody in the the homeless camp just got a bunch of really cool, cheap, weird stuff. (laughs) Wow, that's cool. Uh, So, yeah, so Timu, uh, it does have a lot of weird things. They create some interesting things in China that I didn't think that they really would but some but that they do and so i know i know who would love this stuff <laughs> barry barry would love this stuff he likes free stuff so he's right who does i mean when you get uh, a timu package right if they don't split it up they will send it all at once and so you will get this massive bag of just boxes of stuff and that's what I wanted for Barry. I wanted that, that just wonderful joy, that surprise, that it's got its, its name on it. It's obviously this is who it's for, and this is a reason. It's full of wonderful things like uh, a banana that turns that whose head becomes a duck. Uh, mm. There is there is a calendar of dogs pooping in beautiful places. <laughs> <laughs> I actually magical. saw that one online recently. I was surprised that. It's taken him that long to figure out that there's a weird audience out there that would like that. I chose 24 items Mm. for him. I had to cut it down, though. I originally had 48, (laughs) but I didn't think this joke was worth $120. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but I thought it was worth about 65, so we put it around there, and... That's more than I would go for. (laughs) And I figured, giving the track record, that he would know it was me. Uh, That didn't happen. No. 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 He he was already out on social media. Who sent me a package of cheap Chinese shit? And, and, And like on... On the Discord, I don't know where else he asked. It was on Facebook. It was... Oh, so... I just let him stew for it a while until... Oh, yeah, he started accusing, pointing fingers Yeah, at the moment he started, I didn't want someone else to get the blame for something I did, so I fessed to it faster than I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so I, I'm sure Barry, when he returns to the show, which I assume will be next week, uh, he, he will have his side of that whole story. Yeah. So, And, and I'm sure he will... Uh, make apologies and restitutions to all the people he falsely accused. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll happen. Because that's what he does. Yeah. Well, that's he, a- I mean, as far as restitution, he's he's got a bag full of boxes of <laughs> that's stuff right. to send. All he needs is your address. <laughs> yeah. There's a squirrel hmm. in a stump where you press the stump and it pops out the top. <laughs> See, that's, that's just magic. I have a hunch we're getting regifted a lot of this stuff. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It it was so it's so funny too because he, uh, Barry, Barry's uh, sometimes forgets. You know, people have similar experiences because he just talks about I have too much shit in my house for this, and it's like, who doesn't? 
<laughs> Who the hell gets a bag of useless junk and goes, oh, I got a place for this. This will go great in that corner. Nobody. But he's always making these big pronouncements. I don't have space for this junk. I don't. Ma, ma, ma. And it's like, well, you just take it to the, Goodwill. Get a, get a bigger house. <laughs> Listen, a pair of sunglasses that also doubles as a straw doesn't take up that much room. <laughs> See? Right? And it's practical. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now I'm realizing he's got some good stuff. I chose and and made I, that took me a long time going through a whole bunch of bullshit to find just the right things for him. And things that I thought he would enjoy, that he would amuse, that would that he could use for a lifetime. Right? Because it's probably plastic. And uh, frankly, <laughs> very La- much so. Lasts forever. <laughs> the sticker of the the puking cat. Sure. Of course. <laughs> what, what, did, did you get him the magnet with the cat with balls? Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely got that. <laughs> <laughs> it kicked off the whole thing. Of course, you got that. <sighs> All I'm saying, I'm, I'm a little put out, a little offended that he didn't appreciate the gift. I think it's tremendous lack of gratitude. One hundred percent. It's yeah. just wow. He works, or you could just he say that's kind of hard on the show. All right. Yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you, Barry. Thank you. Here's some things to bring a smile and joy to your life. Hmm. And uh, I feel uh, rebuffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, rebuffed. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Right there with you. It's the thought that counts, Barry. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week, How, uh, Jeff? Let's start with you. What what geeky thing you do? All right. Well, I. R- talked about it on the show before it came out and i finally got a chance to watch totally killer on uh amazon prime video i guess it's just prime video now totally Uh, killer uh it's the latest in the blumhouse you know mashup of slasher movies with other movie themes uh they actually started it's funny they started billing it as like friday the 13th meets um uh, Back to the Future. Mm. After I had said that on the show, it said when I saw the trailer. So whether it was just out in the zeitgeist or yeah, whatever, I don't listening. know. Somebody's listening. Somebody's. We're listening. giving away too many good ideas, guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, stars Kiernan Shipka as uh, Jamie Hughes, who is a the daughter of a guy named John. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, daughter of a couple whose friends were murdered on Halloween like 35 years prior. Mm. So um, she gets accidentally sent back in time to 1985, like right at uh, Halloween of 85. So it would have been after Back to the Future comes out. So she actually does reference it a couple of times. She's like, have you seen Back to the Future? No, but I hear it's good. Uh, to a couple of the characters that I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, she goes about trying to figure out who the killer is and how she can stop these people from being killed and, uh, you know, chaos ensues. But it's a Blumhouse joint, so it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, 
same vein as uh, I mentioned Freaky, which is the Friday the 13th meets mm. Freaky Friday mashup. And then uh, the other wow. one that I'm blanking out on right now. That is some weird. That was like, uh, well, I mean, they've done the same thing with like Fantasy Island and a couple oh, right. others. But um, I enjoyed Fantasy Island. That yeah, was, that that was, was a nice good. twist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I, if you haven't seen Freaky, you should do yourself a favor and watch that one too. Fantasy Island, I, I think, is an underrated Blumhouse joint. Uh, it's it's got enough like cool little twists. It's going to keep you guessing. This one actually does too because the biggest sin for me in a lot of films is when they get overly cute telegraphing who the quote unquote big bad is in the film. And then if you're paying attention, you can pick it up rather quickly. I didn't figure out who the killer was at all in the film Whoa. until they were revealed. That's high praise. Yeah. yeah. So so kudos to them to keep me you know, engaged because sometimes I just completely disengage with a film if I've got it figured out, you know, half a quarter, halfway through the film. That's why you like hated Knives not, Out. No, I loved Knives Out. Knives Out was a lot of fun. I did figure it out around the time that they uh, revealed it to the other characters, but the journey was a lot of fun. (laughs) The friends you made along the way. (laughs) Yeah. I want to do a kind of mystery murder thing, you know, a Mm -hmm. whodunit. Uh, where you don't know. You just write it, and then at the end, the writer flips a coin, picks the person, makes the reason, and then put it out there and see just how many people are like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. They made that. It was called Clue. <laughs> no, 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 no. That That's playing with the whole gimmick. I'm talking about doing a, an actual... Because I want to see how many people are like, yeah, you could see that. You could see it coming. You knew You knew what they were doing. And it's like, no, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't choose until the very end. There's clue! <laughs> but that wasn't the intention, and the whole thing was playing on the concept of clue, and it was a comedy, and... Don't Andy this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Andy this. I stand behind it. When you have that many multiple endings to your mystery, you didn't write a mystery. I'm not talking oh, about multiple well. endings. I'm talking about... One ending. You write this. You just write a bunch of people. People are getting killed off, and then when it's time to write the revelation, and the writer flips a coin and goes, "Oh, you know, he rolls a dime. Okay, it's this person." And then he writes the ending. That's the movie that gets made. Put it out there, and then a whole bunch of people go, "Oh, see, you know that guy Jeff. It, it was obvious. That up in scene <laughs> that one. Was, I, I knew it right away. Just the way he walked in the room on that one scene, you could tell." And it's like, well, no, you can't because we didn't choose until the end. That's what I'm saying. Don't say it. I see you. I see you. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> I will. I'll, 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 I'll pick something up. <laughs> Anything else, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I actually... Uh, <laughs> I discovered this channel on YouTube this week, and Uh-oh. it's been cracking me up. <coughs> Excuse me, I had to sneeze there. (laughs) Oh my god, you guys are horrible. As I was saying. 
so uh, it's under two different uh, channels. Uh, there's one called Not Obi Wan Kenobi, and then the actual <laughs> that leaves everything. Yeah, that's me. And there was it down a little. <laughs> uh, and then the actual guy's channel is Charlie Hopkinson. Yeah, Hopkinson. Sorry, Hopkinson. So you can you can access these videos on either. But what it is is he does vocal impressions of Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Anakin Skywalker, and then uses deep fake to put the faces on him doing the impressions of them, <laughs> okay. and then watches the Star Wars films as well as the TV series, and then talks about it like it's a historical document, and they're they're talking he's like oh i totally forgot about this scene <laughs> yeah i gotta totally own that one but it's <laughs> i'm not doing it justice definitely check it out What's it's it really called? funny it just it's it's he's watching these films so the um yeah yeah but what if, I, if someone wanted to look the channel it up, sure not obi-wan kenobi okay or charlie hopkinson okay so mm, look yeah. at that channel you'll find yes it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It sounds like and then tracks. Hopkinson is H O P K I N S O N. But uh, he also does some deep fakes of uh, Gandalf, and then does some of the Lord of the Rings watches. I just want to see the deep faking and stuff like the, that. The deep fake is both good and bad. I mean, it's it's the nature of deep fake. Something anyway. like that, you wouldn't want to be perfect. Yeah. If you're yeah. if you're if you're being comedy, you want a little bit of. You know, you know what's going on. When he's being Obi-Wan, mm. and I think it's just because his facial structure is so close that the, the deep fake, the fake, yeah, it's so close to uh, Ewan McGregor that the deep fake engine doesn't have to work as hard. So when he's doing the impression of Obi-Wan, it actually works really well. Uh, Qui-Gon's okay, but when he does the Anakin, the, the, he's got the vocal impression down, but the actual... Deep fake doesn't match up quite as well. It's very, it's very blurry. So, uh, but it's just, it's just the the nature where they they point out a lot of the ridiculous things, like uh, when in uh, Attack of the Clones, when, when Padme jumps off that pillar into the saddle, and he's just like, "You just jumped Gooch first onto that saddle. How are you not in pain?" <laughs> you point out it's like 14,000 newtons of force <laughs> would have like shattered her pelvis uh, <laughs> she's like oh yeah when the adrenaline wore off I was in traction for like a month <laughs> anyway I mean it's just silly little things like that and, and then uh, uh, well also from that same video it points out where uh, where uh, Count Dooku basically reveals the entire plot of Sidious taking over the Senate and taking over the Republic is in a power grab. And Qui-Gon goes, it's like, he just told you everything. He goes, yeah, I forgot about this. I, <laughs> I totally got to own this one. I just, I didn't believe him at the time. He's got, he's got Qui-Gon reacts to another gut lightsaber survival. <laughs> yes. And it's a ghost picture of Qui-Gon going, bullshit. Yeah. He actually does that. And there's like, it's like, what is this bullshit? <laughs> so anybody can survive. Because he even gets to um, in Clone Wars where uh, Darth Maul reappears. And he's like, 
he got cut in half. How is he still alive? <laughs> and then when they get to Mandalorian, when, um, oh, uh, shoot, what's the character? Um, the Mandalorian, the one that was in Book of Boba Fett as well. Uh, Phil? Uh, uh, Donna. Where Bob. she gets, she gets, <laughs> she got cut by the lightsaber and then oh, they did. Charlene. Oh, damn it! It's gonna—it's driving me crazy. I could see it on the tip, but it's Ming No Wen's character. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but Tilda. anyway, <laughs> Ming No Wen's Anyway, Wen's yep. He also points that out. He's like, "So, just anybody now can survive a lightsaber." <laughs> <laughs> it's true too, because yeah, he got he he got a thrust as opposed to like a a chop, right, or a hack. And, and his and, was in the chest area, yeah, sure. whereas they, you, you, the argument could yeah. be made that that it went through her side, and then the sure. same thing with uh, what's her name. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, but <laughs> yeah, it is it is funny. Like he brings brings up stuff like <laughs> that is funny, <laughs> and like and he keeps like it, when they're when they're when they're watching. Uh, that, that same attack of the clones <laughs> he keeps tossing drugged ham over to Anakin to keep him calm so he doesn't go go dark side on him she's like yay ham <laughs> Qui-Gon goes like if you keep drugging him he might not <laughs> come recover eventually he's like well you don't want to see what happens but Qui-Gon's in the dark he doesn't realize that Anakin because they're watching everything kind of in chronological order, wow. so oh, at this God. point he doesn't realize that Anakin go- becomes Vader's. At actually, that that's video. funny. Wouldn't that yeah. be funny? Like in Ahsoka or something, Qui Gon shows up, and you're like, "Well, you know, after what happened with Anakin, what happened with Anakin?" <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's that's you, exactly that's what he's you doing. Don't, you don't. Uh, uh, He's like, right, what is down. this Order sixty six you keep talking about? You might about? want to sit down, and he like he just sits in the air, you know, ghost form. <laughs> he just sits in the air. Okay, <laughs> what is yeah. this Order sixty six you keep talking about? Yeah, really. It's like you'll know Order sixty six when it happens because they keep saying Order sixty six. He goes, ah, the patience required is <laughs> killing me. I know, <laughs> and it, I'm already dead. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, when you're immortal, you need a lot of patience. Steve. So yeah. Anyway, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Steve, what'd you do? Well, we talked about it last week, uh, and I finally cracked the uh, Prince of Darkness nut, uh, which... Wait, wait, you did what? That that old chestnut? Yeah. Uh, cracked Who's the... Who's nut? Prince of Darkness's nut. Don't we all? Yeah, yeah. He just was at the door. And was, That's right. Get out. Well, um, it is liquid evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I went there. <laughs> so that movie... <laughs> What what a stretch! Um. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, as as Kay can tell you, that was a, that was another movie where every now and then he would hear from the couch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you didn't watch it with him? Oh, I watched it with him, yeah. and yeah, I heard it a lot. He, he's a uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was every couple minutes. <sighs> <sighs> Somebody closes the door. <laughs> it was. Why? Oh, oh boy. Um, that boy, John Carpenter, he needs himself a writer. <laughs> he needs to. He needs to Lucas that shit out. Just come up with the story outline, and then uh, you know, call somebody who actually knows how human. Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, who actually knows how human beings talk to actually write the script. Oh, oh and there were plenty. There were plenty of uh, the moment when the, the one guy was in the the closet 
while the the woman is changing. Oh my god! And he's talking to the others through the other wall, and it like takes him forever to mention the woman's changing and shit. And Steve, you could just tell Steve's like. Tell them she's fucking changing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell them. Tell them the other two are staring at him. We're tell them. Tell and the guy's. Oh, I'll just stay in here then. Oh golly gee! And yeah. he's like, Good, just tell. Just, just. There's some weird shit going on. You might want to tell that to somebody. Nobody in that film acts like a normal person. No. No, oh, I mean it's great. it's completely bizarre it real, alternate it, reality. It's, it's so funny too because in nowadays context, especially Jameson Parker pining after that one woman, mm-hmm. Creeper Town. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. And he and, didn't even have a rainstorm and a and a boombox to help him out. It was just. <laughs> yeah. it was just which is ironic you mentioned that, Kirsten, because that's one of the things I liked about Totally Killer is that she points out a lot of the times like the the problematic nature of things that were going on in the eighties mm-hmm. and then even in the nineties and so on. But yeah. That you look back on now and you're like, Ooh, that was really cringy behavior. Uh, yeah. That that Whoops. should not have been Whoops, that's not yeah. hey, yeah. that's not endearing at all. Yeah. yeah. And it, and again, it's one of those. It's like, you know, it's it's ripe for a remake because there's an interesting idea there. I just wish that human beings were actually involved in the story, uh, you know. And there's some creepy there's some creepy images. The the guy that is dead and is just made up of bugs now that just starts to cl- oh that, yeah that was that's awesome. fun. There's some fun stuff there. That was very cool. And then yeah, all the you know. All the <laughs> didn't put Alice Cooper to use. <clears throat> Not really. I mean, he's there, to. you know, but that could have been any, you know, rando character actor. Yeah. You know, that. well, it's really funny, too, because he kills one guy with a bike and then <laughs> yeah. and there's another scene when he's fighting with someone else and they get away or something. And I was just like, man, he's much more effective with a bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and it's a, it's a movie that's just ripe with, well, why does that happen? So that the movie can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, my God. It, 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 oh, I'm going to need you to when... get all the way off of my back about yeah, yeah, why yeah. that oh, happened. My, oh, my God. That would, oh, boy, yeah. is that ripe for pitch meeting. Holy Absolutely. shit balls. Uh, there's a scene where they're looking for someone, and they go down under, uh, downstairs in the room where the, the thing is being kept, and... There's dead bodies on the other end of the room, but they just stand on the other end of the room and just look around. Well, yeah. no one's here. And Steve was just, yeah, uh, uh, two more feet and you'll see the dead guy. <laughs> God. And it was, <laughs> I, I wanted Steve to be like the head professor so they could come upstairs and like, we couldn't find anybody. Well, did you search the whole room? Well, go back down and search the whole room. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, Jiminy Christmas, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It was very funny. So, yeah. Uh, not one of Carpenter's best, but uh, as we have discussed, it is, it is uh, you know. Quintessentially Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, greatest hits. Uh, it's like John Carpenter covering his own greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and then, but then. We went from from that to oh, what is sure to be a modern classic. Oh no! Oh boy! The Meg Two. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Really? Oh. I, yeah. You know what? I I started watching the first Meg 
about a week ago mm-hmm. for the first time. The first I, one's I, okay. I got through maybe a third of it and haven't gotten back to it. But I'm kind oh, of. Oh, you got to see it all the way to the end. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I I haven't gotten enough Mega Shark yet. Yeah. So uh, so tell me, Meg Two. How uh, how's, how's that? That's it. Uh, it it looks like it's a classic. Well, we got this one story. Why don't we make it a sequel to this other thing? Uh, except, uh, right, because they you know they put the credits on at the end now, and I and I was like, wow, this is. Okay, and then it says based on the book The Trench by blah blah blah, and I was like, "All right, I'll bet this was you know some some other story that they just plugged the Meg sharks into." Looked it up, no, the it's part of the Meg series of books, of which there are seven. Get out! No, (laughs) no, seriously, get out! (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was that was kind of revelatory when Steve was looking that up and was like, "This is a whole because the trench part." It really is. It's really like another movie. And mm. at one point, I even turned to Steve and I was like, I could watch this movie. Yeah. They don't need the giant shark. Yeah, it's a little bit more geopolitical, a little bit more, you know, shady business practices kind of thing. All underwater. It had created this nice little underwater world uh, environment thing. Yeah. And then, but, you know, but then there's... Giant- almost almost like a... <laughs> almost like a- Avatar from Wish. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there's a really good pitch meeting on Meg 2 you should check out. Oh, okay. We, we okay. should. We need to. Not yes. exactly like what you just said, but there's uh-huh. things like... Yeah, yeah. Because so, it, 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 it was. Yeah. So the first one only had one Meg. Uh, this one, three Megs escaped the uh, the the thermocline uh, and, and are joined by a giant octopus. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> I'm very happy with this news. Yes, and Jason Statham Kraken. is on a... Jet ski throwing jet explosive ski. harpoons. <laughs> it's like, yes, this is what the movie is. It, yeah. know, it knows what it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, and it is it is it is dumb, except for the parts that kind of aren't dumb. <laughs> and, and then you're like, who would have figured? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's like, why aren't you? Yeah, and it, and literally. The stuff that we just talked about, the other movie that's happening while the Meg movie is happening in the same movie, that that's the interesting movie. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> and, and, and I have to say, there was a lot less <laughs> coming from the left side of the of the room while watching this. Now, it is, is it just as ridiculous, like, you know, switch your brain off, ignore, you know... Physics and, Physics and everything as the first and, yes. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Because sure. at a certain point watching the first one, I was just like, <sighs> oh, yeah. That right, sounds like the left brain. side of the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, left, it, you know. I was a little disappointed because they uh, set up this thing with these power suits to go underwater. <laughs> and I, <laughs> That they, they eventually don't need or something like kind, that? Well they, well, they kind of used it, but they didn't against the Megs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like nobody's punching a giant megalodon. Yeah, not we're which, literally going to never mention it again. Which <laughs> I totally film school, you know, Chekhov's uh, power suit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. They, oh yeah, look at this, and he's punching the guy showing how it works. He's punching a concrete block to bits, and I'm like, 
Jason Statham, this is going to be totally fucking cool. No. When he starts yep. punching out the Megs. Yeah, no. no. Uh, nope. There were other fish, but it was just in the middle, and it was not a climax. The climax was the jet skis, which, hey, <laughs> hey, maybe that the, was cool. Maybe they ran out of budget for that, the power suits. That literally drives me crazy. Entirely possible. And that is getting done so much in movies these days. I mean, I, I, yeah. I know they point that out a lot in pitch meeting and mm-hmm. take a drink, everyone, because that's the second time I mentioned it in a row. But but he really points it out. It's like he's like, oh, that's going to come in handy later. We literally never yeah. mention it again, and it yeah. it drives me crazy. You have this 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 stupid thing that you're like, oh, well, that could really be helpful yes. later in the film, and it's like they forget. And it's funny too because that is a prime violation of what is really yes Chekhov's gun, yes, which is no unnecessary detail. Yep. Do not put a power suit crushing concrete in the first oh, reel my, if it is not going to show up in the third reel and beat the shit out of the mag. My script writing <laughs> professor would lose his shit if that happened. Then, I can't imagine how he would react now. Yeah. Because like anytime you would write something in your script <laughs> yeah. that, he, that yeah. you never, like I said, used, just like the, the Chekhov's gun thing, it's, it's he's just like... Why is this even in here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jet skis Don't are even cheaper. bother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they do I mean, use it's... the suits to walk across the, the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Oh, yay. Yes. Yeah. Far, there, far below are... crushed up for yeah. any, There are prehistoric uh, barracuda alligators dun, 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 that dun, attack dun, and they dun, fight dun, them. Dun, dun, and that's dun, where dun, the suit fighting okay. happens. So it does happen. But, but yeah, but in that first scene, <laughs> you're not, like, oh, man, Jason Statham's going to rock an Iron Man suit against this Meg. Was it satisfying when the suit fought the Barracuda alligators? Yeah. yeah. It just happened. Yeah. I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. 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 And were they playing heart in the background while that was going on? <laughs> no, but that should have been going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another another wasted opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Again, they originally had that, but they saved some money. Yeah, 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 yeah really. Chekhov's heart. <laughs> can we? Can we? Can we turn back the? Can we give back the music and get our money back? Yeah. Well, they they had to make it look like Statham was actually engaged in making the film because you got to know at some point he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm getting paid." Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's paleobiologist Jathan Statham. So realistic. <laughs> He, he he was he was vintage Statham. Uh, I have no complaints because yeah. you, know, you know he, he Statham um, has one character. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's a good screen. It's character. a great yeah. character. He's a great presence, and he totally. I mean, he is capable. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I never knew him as an actor. The first thing I saw him when was uh, Snatch. And, yep, I think that's where we all first and, saw him. And mm-hmm. he was fucking hysterical. He was. He was downright perfect straight man in this movie of lunacy. He was the he he was perfect. He hit it perfectly. It was yeah. maze balls. Yeah. Then I saw the transporter and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> um and then I'm guessing Kay's gonna cover a lot of stuff. So okay. I will just say that uh the fourth season, fourth series of the uh, Lovecraft Investigations podcast dropped today. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is. And this one's based on The Haunter in the Dark. And um, for for those of you who, who don't know what this is, it's a British 
uh, a British podcast. Um, think what are they called again? Uh, the Lovecraft Investigations, and um, it is it is as if you crossed serial with H.P. Lovecraft. So it's like a it's like a true crime podcast that all of a sudden starts uncovering weird and creepy shiza and uh and then over the course of the first three series it starts building a larger narrative and with this fourth one they're just they're continuing to add to it oh it sounds delightful yeah the author uh uh julian simpson has written a bunch of stuff for bbc radio as well as episodes of doctor who and and other things um and he ha- his blog is called Cartoon Gravity, and uh, and he has a, actually has a pretty long post that came out I guess last week talking about the whole um, origin of coming up with the Lovecraft investigations, and then how just sort of by accident it started bleeding into some of his other radio shows that he's written over the years, to the point where there is now a Pleasant Green mythology something that takes place in or around or is connected to a place called the Pleasant Green, which may or may not actually exist in our world. Whoa. I'm on board. I'm all. Oh, it's it, they're great. And they're cool. and they're very well acted. They're very well produced. It does sound like somebody, you know, trying to get somebody on record, you know, and they're like they're off microphone. I don't want to talk. You know, that kind of thing. Or in this episode, uh, the guy gets carjacked by somebody who may or may not work for the government and goes, are you recording that? Well, yes. Nope. And then you just hear the thing go, go off and then he, his voice comes back, obviously recorded later in the studio. What she then told me. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a fun ride. They're really short episodes, usually around you know somewhere in the in the ten to twenty minute range. Um, and this this series is only ten episodes, so I almost heard the whole thing going from here to Prim and back again. So um, I I heartily recommend uh, the Lovecraft Investigations if you like you know horror audio uh, stories. What do you want me to ask him, Kay? You, 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 Why'd you go to Prim? Why'd you go to Prim? Lottery tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lottery. It's the only reason anybody goes to Prim. I, know, yeah. I just, I just, I, I, I saw you wanted to ask, and I was like, ask him. Go ahead. For, for, for the rest of the, the listeners that are elsewhere in either the United States or the world, Prim is a tiny little city... Town, town, whatever you want to call it, established just across the border in California. No, no, no. Most of Prim is in Nevada. True. There's a little. There's shunk. one. Yes. There <laughs> is a convenience store. Oh, it's not even a in. convenience store anymore. It's a lotto store. It is literally a dedicated lotto store now. Right. That's how long I've been. This, yeah. Well, and the only reason I know that is uh, one of the times we were coming back from Disneyland, Darren insisted on stopping, and I'm like. I don't want to wait in that huge line of that convenience store. It's ridiculous. And he's like, oh, it's all different now. And I'm like, what? So we pull up and literally you walk in the door. They have uh, paint. Yeah. They have it set where, you know, if they have to, they can do the, you know, little catapen lines. Mm-hmm. And then they have machines along all the walls that you can buy your lottery tickets or you can go up and buy the, uh, was it the Powerball one that you have to buy from the actual cashier? Yeah. Because there's a couple of of the lotteries that you can only buy at the cashier, but wow. this is this is literally yeah. one of the only thing that's across the border in California. 
Whereas, like Steve said, the rest of it is mostly in Nevada. I'll be darned. We have so, a lottery store. Because yeah. Nevada doesn't have a lottery, so. Not yet. Although it's it, there, there is a state bill. Yep. Apparently so, it is going to be supposedly well, up for a vote soon. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's really funny because people have actually talked about uh, <clears throat> that'll, that'll, that'll smack prim right upside the head mm-hmm. if uh, we actually approve it and join the Mega Millions or Powerball. But yeah, like what... As recently as what fifteen years ago, it literally was just a convenience store. Like, yeah, that would you, be when you, I went. There. Yeah, yeah, you went in, you could buy a few snacks, and it was a tiny little convenience store too. Oh, it's it was still tiny. Yeah, I mean, when it was up to, you know, a billion, uh, the last time I went, yeah, the line not only did that furble thing, which I think they can fit about fifty people just in that, just in that, if not more, it it lined up around the building, so. Yeah, I had to be very conscious of when I went. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good luck, Steve. Oh, thank you very much. It's, it is amazing the number of people that go down there just to get a lottery ticket. Oh, yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. It's about, what, 45 minutes away? Hour? Tops? Thereabouts. Yeah. Well, my wife and I took a journey I didn't think we'd take. Uh-oh. We watched all the Saw movies in order. Oh, God. <laughs> <This> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. uh, just to preface... I love the original Saw. Original one is fantastic. Yeah, Jeff and I saw it in a preview screening <laughs> at our first Comic Con that we yep. went to. See what you did there, and it was uh, it was surprisingly good. Yeah, it's a it's it's a mind fuck. I mean, like it's it's very psychological. They don't really get much in the way of you know gross horror in that first one until no, they towards do. the end. They do. Yeah. Uh, however, it's the first one's awesome, right? Because uh, it was a salvo out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, the rest there, <laughs> there are 10 Saw movies now. Uh, we did not see 10 because it's currently in the theaters, uh, but we did go all the way through nine. We went wow. as far as to rent the ninth one, which is Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is a Saw adjunct film created by Chris Rock. That one I heard from a few people they really, really liked, but then I also heard from a couple of other people after that that. It was just okay. No, I heard. So it I'm, I'm interested in your your opinion on this. Uh, let me just go back a little bit. Um, I, before this, I think I saw <laughs> one, number two, possibly three. Okay. And, uh, and beyond that, I just didn't care anymore. Yeah, right. I, I don't think uh, I watched any bit right. on three. Uh, never really got into the whole uh, what is now referred to as torture porn. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a. A accurate description that gore has always been a part of horror these films were used to be called exploitation films back in the 70s right um but are they good hmm that is the question and my definitive answer is kinda um the first three are actually really good the first three films are good. The fourth one, even a possibility. And it's because most of those are written by the same guy, Lee Winnell. Right? Yeah. It's when Lee Winnell decided, I'm not doing these anymore. And they gave it to another couple of writers uh, who are responsible for the last half of the, the first seven films. Uh, that it just really, really becomes a plodding, almost incomprehensible mess. It does a decent job in those first four of creating a, a mythos around the whole thing. And you can tell that they killed Jigsaw off early, much earlier than they wanted to. 
<laughs> or they should have. They thought it'd be a good idea because they didn't think it'd go as far as it did. <laughs> but Jigsaw is uh, Tobin Bell, who plays him, mm-hmm. is a screen presence. When he is in that film, I am on board in that film. And when he's not in that film, you miss him. In fact, the person they hired in uh, five, six and seven to basically replace him is a charismatic black hole. Oh, he is suck is what one of my teachers. He is just not interesting to look at, to listen to. He is the most uninteresting antagonist I think I've seen in a horror movie, especially one of this length of films that are all linked together. Saw is one story when it comes down to it. Uh, but more, I, I, honestly, I think those movies wouldn't have been so bad if it weren't for the casting of this fellow that just cannot carry this movie. Not that he's a bad actor. He isn't. He's just it's, it's one of those things when you see somebody on screen, that person has charisma. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some people have it. Some people don't. He don't. Yeah. Simple as that. And Tobin Bell, he has it. Yeah. The moment yeah. he's on screen, you're on board and they do Interesting things script-wise from the second film onwards where they play with time, where they you think that you're watching a movie in this specific time period and it turns out it's actually a different time period and it's like, what? (laughs) That second film especially is really, really good with that. Now, they Saw ended in 2010, right? Uh, That the final Saw was, I think, Saw 7 and it did poorly Mm -hmm. and the movie that did really well that came out that same week was paranormal activity so that Uh, was the great switch that was the year of paranormal activity and the year of insidious that's when horror (laughs) went from gore centric to more of a an eerie centric kind of horror aspect but in 2017 they did revive it with jigsaw it's not called Saw, it's just called Jigsaw. And it's still not very good. Yeah. It's it's better than the the three with black hole suck, man. <laughs> but it's it's still not great. Spiral is a lot of fun. Okay. Spiral is a lot of fun. Spiral is what if we made us something in the Saw universe, but we really enjoy David Fincher's seven as well. Mm, oh, right. okay. So it's it's mostly a police police uh, police procedural uh, with starring Chris Rock, and Chris Rock does carry this movie. He can lead a movie, people. He yes. led Pootie Tang. <laughs> right? God damn, I hate that film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is surprisingly good. Samuel Jackson is also in it, which also adds a lot of fun to it. Um. And it's the Saw movie that has comedy in it. And I think that helps, too. Mm-hmm. It's dark comedy. It's Chris Rock comedy. Yeah. But it's not like Dennis Miller and Bodello of Blood, oh, all right, where, where it's just, uh, just stop it, Dennis. Yes, just, thank you. Just Dennis just being his asshole self all through this movie. And just get back to the script, please. I know you're improving here, and it's not great. Stop. <laughs> uh, where Chris Rock actually is making it better. So well, he co-wrote the script too, didn't he? Uh, uh, yes. In fact, it was his pitch. Yeah, he had an idea for a Saw movie. He went and pitched it, and they're like, "Oh shit, Chris Rock has a Saw movie. Let's make that right." Um, you don't have to watch Spiral and to and you have to 
ignore the rest of the Saw movies if you want. Spiral is its own standalone thing. There, there is no jigsaw in this movie at all. All right, there, there's a copycat kind of thing, and the mystery. That's what's been really enjoyable about the good Saw movies. There's a mystery there, mm-hmm. right? And and you're piecing that together. How did this happen? Who is doing this? And where's the twist? Because there is a twist on every single one. This last one, Spiral, is an actual mystery with really good clues along the way to say who did it. It is Knives Out with Gore. All right? And Chris, <laughs> so- and Chris Rock is Benoit. So the nice. comedy is not out of place. Is no, what you're saying okay. No, it's, that's it's, that's always been a big concern. Not necessarily because of Rock's casting, but a lot of times, especially when a movie franchise goes on too long, they want to really lighten the mood, quote unquote, and they just put a lot of unnecessary comedy in there, and it just drives me crazy. Nightmare on Elm Street Six is a fine yes, example. Of I was that. just <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna point to that, but you beat me to it. Uh, no, it's. Chris Rock's comedy comes from an angry policeman's place. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they have to have that. Because of the horrors that they see, a lot of police officers, especially uh, investigators, yeah. they have a very, very dark sense of humor. Yeah. And it's not for public consumption it for the most with part. It the character. Yeah. And, yeah, if you enjoy Seven, it's, don't get me wrong, it's not on par with Seven at all. <laughs> But it has that tone. It has that flavor. It ups the gore a little bit more uh, without being the really heavy gore stuff of later Saw films. Mm-hmm. So uh, so if that's your bag, I do recommend that film on its own. Ignore the rest. Spiral. Check it out. It's not available on any streaming service. We had to rent it. It's the only one of these movies we had to rent because apparently Saw is on every sc- streaming service right now. Every, well, damn it. <laughs> every single one of them has it. Uh, so that was an interesting journey. When we were done, looking back, are we glad we did it? Hmm. No. <laughs> we liked the first four, but after that, it was so poorly written, so uninteresting of antagonists that it just isn't worth it, people. So yeah. if you want to see the first four, that they're good. Yeah. Check them out. Beyond I, that, no. Yeah, I did give up after the second one. I was, I was just like, no, this is just people being, being tortured to death for two hours. The second one, I love the time twist on second one. Sure, uh, I thought that was really well done, and they lean more into that in three and four. Oh, okay, uh, and in an, an impressive way. Okay, uh, so if you like movies that play with time, that's what it is. Uh, but yeah, Saw, first four, yes. The rest, no. Spiral, yes. Just check that out, even if you don't like Saw. Looks and, like Spiral is on Hulu, but oh, it's it not telling is. me whether it's premium subscription or what. So. I, I stopped Hulu because fuck them. Well, yeah. Okay, what'd you do this week? Uh, what, what'd I do this week, Steve? Uh, we did that. We did that. Oh, we did yeah. That. We, uh, we did, uh, <laughs> we did, uh. Was that game night? We did game night. The movie game night? No. no. Oh. Game night. We just played game. Oh, tell yeah. me about game night. Uh, we played. What we? Oh, we played Luchador. Yeah. <laughs> Luchador. Luchador. Yeah. It's like a 3D board game, wrestling dice game. Is this the one you played with Matt a while yes. back? Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is the second time you played Luchador. Yes. Yes. Oh my so, god. And it was it was tight. Um, we, uh, we did it with eight players. Yeah. And so we had to do tag team. Four by four tag out. 
Wow. And uh, uh, we had them. We had them on the ropes, Todd. Literally. And then Steve came by and saved the day. Yeah. Were you and Steve on the same team? No. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and my character, again, I've never played this game before. So everyone else got the apparently got the good characters. And I was like, oh, Squid, Squid Girl here looks like she might be fun. And I was looking at her powers. And I go, oh, it is pretty good. Those are some pretty good powers. Not seeing that that the uh, the special powers from other people did like eight points of damage. <laughs> I'm thinking two and three points is pretty good. And, yeah. and, and, and plus, I had no blanks on that special dice. So no matter what I rolled, I was going to be doing some damage. And I was like, oh, okay, this seems like it'd be. And then sure enough, I get in there with somebody. Was it you or was it... Uh, might have been Justin. Might have been Justin. And he rolled a special dice and, and it's like, oh, and I do eight points of damage. Oh, I was that like, was me. Ah, oh, that yeah. was me. It's like, ah. yeah. I play the beast, La Chupacabra. <laughs> and I, what you do is you have a, a tracker. And as you succeed in moves, you move up the tracker to where you can trigger your special move. And then you roll a six-sided die. And some people, like Steve said, they have a symbol on each face of the die which triggers a different type of move. My character only has a symbol on two faces, but it's a massive <laughs> damage <laughs> move if I roll that. Aha. And I rolled it once, and it was on Steve, and Steve was like, Tag out, tag out. Yeah, and he's like running for help. <laughs> so, but then... Uh, but I mean... <clears throat> Literally, that whole side of the table, they were killing us. Yeah. It was just like we were beating them a bit. And then, and then, who, who was the heels? Who were the faces? Uh, yes. <laughs> Never mind. Actually, I, I didn't I, say that. It was really funny. I was needling Matt, uh, because he was like, uh, he's he was uh, Johnny Flair, ja something like that. Sounds something like a face Flair. to me. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I actually called, oh, yeah, because uh, Matt tagged out like immediately. As soon as he had like two, yeah, two points on him, he tagged, he, he tagged, tagged me out. In. And I, I started calling him Johnny Poyo. <laughs> so Johnny Poyo was his name for the rest of the And it was so match. funny. Like he literally got like three points of damage on him out of like twenty twenty. And uh and tagged out. And and so I was the first one that went in and just boom, 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 I was getting killed. Cause the people that played it before said, "Yeah, if you roll the dice just right, you can. You're, the point is, you can knock the other players' dice yeah, if out. You roll, and if you have hits, you leave them in there, and then you re-roll your dodges and misses and total up hits versus hits and see who has the most. But it's in this wrestling ring, so it's entirely possible for your die to go tumbling out, and they don't count. And you can actually knock the opponent's die out." Too. And when you do a re-roll, you can knock out some of their hits. Yeah. And so people, and Matt was hilarious because Matt would just shuka, 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 blam, and all of his dice would just fly off the ring. Yeah, try, he tried to do it at the angle. <laughs> so, so to make a very long story short, yeah, we're we're on our lat. We're in all of our characters are in the red. We're about to die. And I get tagged in because I'm the one that's the. I have six. Everyone else has got three or four. Yeah. Under things. Life points. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Martin. <laughs> Steve just dropped and caught the mic. That's what that sound was. <laughs> so after watching people's 
knocking the other dice out strategy and watching that all go horribly wrong, I realized I'm, I'm not going to do that. Always go for the sure thing. So I just I started rolling and then just dropped them in the center of the thing, like from, you know, perpendicular. And all my dice stayed in the ring, and almost all of them had yes. hits on them. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing, <laughs> is he would drop five die, and he'd have four or five hits yeah. every time. And he went on that streak at the end, and that's how he... That's how I pulled it out. Because you either pin, which is a special type of attack when someone is in a, a certain band of their uh, life points, and that can end the match and win... Or you just knock someone out completely, which is you take away all their life points. And that's what Steve finally did. Yeah. So that was pretty brutal. And they're like, what are you doing? You're cheating somehow. And I go, I'm just not doing that stupid strategy where you throw all your dice out of the ring in the first deal. (laughs) So, yeah, that was was fun. That was fun there. Uh, I was just buzzing around YouTube and stumbled across... A uh, Superman versus Doomsday fight, and so I figured I would watch uh, Superman versus Doomsday, the Death of Superman animated movie. Mm. And Steve came in just as I had started that, and he sat down, and we're like, you know, and there's not a whole lot of going on. So I was just <laughs> like, "Have you seen this before?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "Well." Yeah. So we watched uh, we watched Death of Superman, then we watched Reign of Superman. Um, it's raining, Superman. Um, but uh, that was interesting. It was interesting and fun. Yeah, I some... didn't like the Death of Superman animated. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it skews too far from the the comic. Now they've done um, it twice. Did you... oh, I've I've only seen the original. So this is a more recent version. Yeah. Then yeah, came like out how long about, ago? Uh, I want to say three or four years ago. Okay, then I have not seen that one, but I have seen Reign of Superman, and that one actually I liked a lot. Yeah. yeah. It that it the newer one, Death of Superman is done the same style. And okay. It, it's they literally released them like six six months apart from each other. Gotcha. So um it's a, and there's some fun casting. Superman and Lois Lane, played by Jerry O'Connell and Re- Rebecca Romaine. Okay, that's fun. That is uh, fun. Dark side is Tony Todd. Nice. Fun, fun, fun. Nathan yeah. Fillion is Green Lantern. Oh wow. <laughs> I can yeah. get behind yeah. that. Yeah. The one I was like I'm oh. really, I'm really missing Clancy Brown right now. Oh, Rain Wilson is Lex Luthor. <laughs> oh, no, not so much. No, Lex Luthor should not be a tenor. Lex <laughs> Luthor was fabulous. <laughs> he had just a little bit of that going on. If only we could get rid of Superman. <laughs> I should be the hero, not Superman. Not Superman. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was. It was just like. Boy, did boy, did Clancy set a standard. Yeah, yeah, he really just, did. It's just now you just and I forget, I forget can't hear what other like, character was on there. I go, that guy should be playing Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah, came in with a nice. Hello. That saddens me too because Rain Wilson is such a good actor. Oh, he's really I think good. He's, yeah, he's and he's done a lot of great voiceover work too, which is yeah. why it kind of well, it, it, it like surprises it me. It might that have been. It might oh. have been. I don't want to do Clancy Brown. Yeah, yeah, and and the actual voice acting was fine. I just it was it's just not the, really not, it's not what you were. Wanting. Yeah, does like, it fit your head cannon? Yeah, it doesn't fit the head cannon, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't mm. think it fits anybody's. Yeah, but so we watched that, and then on the whole watching thing, we watched House of Usher. 
all of House of Usher. Which is so lemon. <laughs> so lemon, baby. I, Todd just put down his tablet. <laughs> my wife and I just finished episode five before we started the uh, cast today. So, yeah. Well, Steve and I finished it. So uh, I've got two more episodes to go. We started at eight and we wrapped up at about 4.30 a.m. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally, we, were put the, we put the last episode in. I looked at my phone. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just, we just, yeah. What a, Wow. What a wonderful cast. Carlo G- uh, Gugino. Gugino is just, just wonderful. Bruce Greenwood just knocks it out of the fucking park. What a great performance there. Uh, uh, Mark Hamill, just like creepy, menacing. Consigliere. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, is he sort of, yeah, he's sort of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, what's gotten there yet? Mm, Harvey Keitel from uh, from Pulp Fiction, The Cleaner, and then you know some Robert Duvall from Godfather, and he's Michael and, Cohen. Yeah, yeah, and just the whole. I mean, <laughs> you know, Mike Flanagan, Mike Flanagan, Flanagan, Mike Mike Flanagan. Uh, you know, is is kind of I, you could say notorious, but you know, he's built up this uh, stock company of actors that he uses over and over and over again well there's a reason why they're all really good and and i i love that henry thomas has had this you know late in his career resurgence yeah oh god his character in fall the house of usher has this just really fun creepy arc that he goes through from being kind of you know really the ineffectual you know somebody who's on the smaller throne (laughs) character that you're just like oh god yeah this guy's wife's pulling all the strings um and then that just takes you know like like you would expect it to that just takes a really dark turn by the time it gets to the end yeah it's a great spin on poe yeah because it's not any kind of a any kind of a uh, adaption yeah, of anything, not a but, literal adaption by any means. But it does take all the flavor and yes, and frankly, incorporate some of Poe's twists in a modern way. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. It. Uh, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, everybody involved in creating this is a fan of Poe and loves <laughs> Poe. Yeah. Uh, and and um, and thoroughly knows Poe. Because, I mean, there are references in there that I was fucking missing, but I knew were references. Mm-hmm. So it, it just was just wonderfully done that way. And just the inspiration behind it, I really, I really did enjoy the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, there's, there was, I was telling Kay after we saw the whole thing, there was one thing that was kind of bugging me in the first couple of episodes. And I was like, wait, something is... Something's tickling the back of my mind about this. The actor that they cast as the young Roderick Usher looks almost nothing like a young Bruce Greenwood. And I was like, why would they? Because hmm. the woman, the young woman, looks like she might grow up into Mary McConnell. But yeah. that guy, he, that guy's never going to grow into Bruce Greenwood. And I was like, something is... Frank Langella was originally cast as the older Roderick Usher. Oh. But got me tooed out of it. Oh. Because he got handsier yeah. inappropriate with one of the actresses. And I was like, yep, that guy looks like a younger mm-hmm. 
Frank Langella. He deviated <laughs> from the intimacy choreography, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh, it. yeah. And then yeah. got pissy about it. And then and then got well. Back in my day, we used to be able to grab tits all the time, and nobody cared. Well, it was leg. He didn't grab <laughs> yeah. tits. So, I mean, you know, let's be accurate in how well, yeah. we condemn somebody. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, and and it's funny too because uh, Steve totally hits it. Uh, the Willa Fitzgerald and Mary McDonnell, that comparison, it's like, and and also. Um, the Dupin characters. Oh, yeah. There really was some nice synergy to make one, you know, this is the same character at different stages of their life as opposed to people just, oh, I'm doing my own thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And being afraid of copycat or whatever it is actors get afraid of when they're in those types of situations. And it was very, very well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, the other thing, too, because I was sitting there going, okay, is it just me, or have they given Bruce Greenwood uh, Vincent Price's hair and mustache? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but I, that's not Bruce Greenwood's hair. <laughs> yeah. So. so Now, if you like Poe, you, you know that you're not getting a true Poe adaptation, but you are getting a little big old love letter to him so yes, i yes. highly recommend and, it and absolutely the, and then the, and flanagan did the same thing with haunting of bly manor using henry uh, james's henry stuff. james's stories yeah and I, so far uh, that guy says he's got a project coming out i'm all on board yeah, yeah. same yeah. yeah makes a believer out of me because i also cool. recently watched dr sleep and i was like oh okay i am on board with this uh, mike flanagan guy <laughs> <laughs> Well, the question is, will you be on board with news you don't give a shit about? Oh, uh, oh, oh yes, the tissues are right here. Oh. Wow. Just add to it. it. Just, yes. Yeah, it just, uh. keeps, just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> news you don't give a shit about? Chuck Norris is teaming up with Vanilla Ice in a secret agent zombie film project called Zombie Plane. <laughs> they will be joined by... What's wrong? They're... Steve, they will be joined by Australian singer. Sick and tired of these motherfucking zombies on this motherfucking plane. Singer turned actress Sophie Monk. Uh, the project is coming from Australian production and distribution banner Radioactive and U.S. production company Entertainment Squad. A zombie plane centers on quote a secret government organization that recruits celebrities to be undercover agents who together must save humanity from an imminent zombie attack. Norris, Ice, and Monk play themselves. But the feature is reportedly full of celebrity cameos and a 90s pop soundtrack, including tracks by Vanilla himself. The uh, movie is directed by Lav Bodnaruk and Michael Peer of Chop Shop Post, which is a post-production and VFX house that worked on Paramount Plus's Last King of the Cross and Amazon's Trope. So, yes, Zombie Plane, starring Chuck Norris and Vanilla Ice as themselves. Nope. That's it. Well, it was really funny too because Vanilla Ice. I I thought you know nowadays he went by his real name, um, Robert Van Winkle. Oh, okay. I was gonna say Tony Bigglesworth, but <laughs> I guess that's his name. Yeah. I just but I squashed your bit. Sorry. No, no, no. It's 
Um, it it sound actually actually it kind of sounds interesting because of the cameos. You know, it could be. It uh, it's a movie that knows what it is. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And the whole uh, idea of you know Elvis was secretly a agent, right? Right. 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 And kind of just leaning heavy to that into a zombie. Now the the question is. At what quality level yes. will right. the whole thing be? Is Who this an, are the cameos? Right. And is this like an asylum picture? Because there was a lot of cameos in Sharknado, too. Sure. So Right. <laughs> As opposed to, see, what, what I was thinking, uh, I went in the other directions for Expendables, which, you know. Sure. Has all sorts of action star reference cameo things. So... So is this an Expendables or a Sharknado? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It could... You know, it could be funny. I mean, zombie plane, come on. Or it, it could be, be soul plane, if they... <laughs> which also has a lot of cameos in it and is goddamn awful. Oh, boy. If All they right. Get Bruce... Now you squash my bit. If they, get Bruce... <laughs> if they get Bruce Campbell to play Elvis, then I might be on board. Oh, my God. I'm still... I am still mad he never got nominated. I seriously fucking think... That was an award-winning performance. I've still never seen that movie. You. Oh, which one? Useless pile of... I've seen it. Timu. <laughs> <laughs> I go back and forth on whether I like it or hate it. <laughs> ah, interesting. I thought his performance is... Yeah, well, no. A... Bruce Campbell is, is Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I mean, extraordinary. He can, he can do no wrong. Yeah. So, anyway... News you don't give a shit about. Uh. Following up on last week's news you don't give a shit about story. Oh. After a heated bidding war, Miramax has scored the television rights to the Halloween franchise. Miramax Television television has signed a wide-ranging deal with the Trankus, who owned it before, to develop and co-produce a Halloween TV series, which also includes a first-look agreement on other television product projects for the international marketplace. The new Halloween series is envisioned to potentially launch a cinematic universe spanning film and television. Uh, Trankus most recently produced the successful Halloween feature trilogy for Miramax and Blumhouse, directed by David Gordon Green, uh, jointly controlling both the film and TV rights would allow Miramax and Trankus to map out an integrated film-slash-TV universe. The Halloween film franchise consists of 13 titles, starting with the 78 original, co-written and directed by John Carpenter. They focus primarily on Michael Myers, who was committed to a sanitarium as a child for the murder of his sister. He escapes 15 years later to stalk and kill people of the town of Haddonfield on Halloween and Laurie Strode and Dr. Samuel Loomis try to stop him. The franchise has gone dormant for nine years when a direct sequel to the original film was released in 2018. Mining the indie studio's library of IP has been the main objective with Miramax, with with series in development, TV series, based on such Miramax movies as Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Gangs of (laughs) New York, Chocolat, The English Patient, and Pret de Porta. In addition to the Project Greenlight revival and the upcoming series adaptation of The Gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it that list started out as like, hey, that'd be kind of interesting and went to Pret a Porte. I saw that. Why? What? <laughs> or Chocolat. Oh, I don't see Shock- the, ex- the extended multi-series show Chocolat. I don't no. know. Yeah. English patient? Yeah. That's going to be a nurse sitting around a, a burn pa- uh, <laughs> soldier's bed for 22 episodes. Uh, wow. Man. 
Yeah, so Halloween uh, TV series. So you're know, probably looking at, what, 10 episodes per season or something like that? I, I guess. So it's like... What? I mean, what, what's there's nothing really left to mine there. Yeah. Well, no, it, it would be it would be let's say <laughs> let's say for the sake of simplicity, sure, it's twelve episodes. Okay. Each one of them takes place in a different month of the year, leading up to Halloween. So it's basically just people kind of going, "Hey, did you see those Halloween decorations? Yeah, let's put them up here in the garage. Okay, that's pretty scary." And then the next month would be December, <laughs> and people are pulling out the uh, pulling out the Christmas decorations. Like, whoo, so many cobwebs up here! Yeah, we really need to get on this. This is frightening out here. And then January, <laughs> put away the Christmas decorations. <laughs> All right, and now what, we know why Steve is a theater professor and not a Hollywood producer. Oh, I, I don't know. What he's describing is a much more interesting idea than what I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I, I. Oh, see, I went in the direction of 10 episodes, all right? Um, you have a Haddonfield Small, so you got a high school graduating class. It's maybe 10 kids, one kid per episode, <laughs> right? Year one, your, your protagonist is a freshman and sees all the killing going on. And then year two, they're a sophomore. Year three, they're a junior. And then final year, final girl, huh? Huh? Final girl, final year, senior year, is when it's her and her classmates' time, and she's ready. She's ready for Myers. She's ready for Laurie Strode to come up in the first day of class and go, okay, this is your year. I thought I was done with this, but I've had my Activia, and I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I'm just confused by... I, I know I like Kay's Degrassi version. Yeah. yeah. Well, you like yeah. anything. Oh, Degrassi oh, I didn't mention the musical adjacent. numbers, did I? <laughs> Halloween, <laughs> Halloween. Degrassi, yes. De Degrassi Glee Halloween. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious De by the, the Miramax pickup because Miramax is now under. Well, Miramax is basically owned by Viacom through Paramount. So yeah. why they would pick. Miramax and not like say if they if it's going to be a television series why not CBS well, maybe well, television CBS studios. didn't have didn't give enough money it was yeah. a bidding war yeah well Mir no but Miramax I mean, won yeah Miramax is still owned by Paramount so it's Viacom that yeah just under Miramax Jeff Jeff thought it welcome to corporate America yeah <laughs> in fact CBS is probably going. Yeah, yeah, let's let them have it. Yeah, Miramax needs something to do. You know what's really Plus is like, what did we buy? You know what's funny? <laughs> With its dipping its toe into corporate America and fall of the House of Usher, if Jeff had watched that series, this would kind of make sense. Yeah. yeah. He'd, he'd think it was lemon. <laughs> proper lemon. Proper, proper lemon. And different sectors of the company being played off against each yeah. other. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Miramax is the gold bug of the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of the House of Paramount, House of Viacom, <laughs> House of Viacom, the House of Redstone. <laughs> well, we've already had the fall of the House of Redstone. Well, yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about? Yes, A twenty four. Ah, uh, great, great, great place is taking on Paris Hilton's autobiography. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, still dipping into horror then. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Paris, the memoir, and ad adapting it for television. 
Uh, no writers have been set up for the project yet. While details are under wraps, uh, Paris, the memoir published earlier this year from HarperCollins is uh, Hilton's personal tell-all battling with ADHD, her rise to pop culture and her branding. In the book's description, Hilton writes, quote, I wrote this book in an effort to understand my place in a watershed moment, the technology renaissance and the age of influencers. I also wrote this book so that the world could know who I am today. I focused on key aspects of my life that led to what I am most proud of, how my power was taken away from me and how I took it back, how I built a thriving business, a marriage and a family. Do you want him to search the room a little more, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> search the bookstore for something a little bit more. A24. Yeah. The, this is A24. Not, People that brought us the Vitch, yes. right? The Vivitch. Yeah. The Vivitch. The, uh, the Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, if Robert okay. Eggers is Actually, doing this. Yeah, this, this sounds appropriate right now. <laughs> Roger Eggers, Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, and the irony is it's all in black and white. Yeah, and uh, long shots of you know the strip in Vegas with just cars mm-hmm. going by, yeah. and a little uh, and Willem Dafoe as Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold my I, bag I, for me, would I'm, you, Kim? I'll hold it I'll for hold you it. for sure. I'm here for this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Weekend Geek! Oh, that was quick. Uh, got an ad before we begin. Uh, oh, this boy. ad uh, sent to us by G.R. Kunkel. Not so much hitting us with the moist meat demons this this time around. There's a choice. This time he's dropping a little knowledge on you. So no Ooh. meat slaps. <laughs> no meat so slaps. Kunkel sends, sends this. This month... I thought I would drizzle some nutritious sauce into our meat monster marinade. I try to mix it up a little, both the advertisements and, of course, the marinade. I suspect most folks are familiar with Kindle Unlimited. On the author side of this equation, it's referred to as KDP Select, and it's a moist choice we are forced to make. (laughs) Enrolling in KDP Select gets your books included in the Kindle Unlimited program. When your books are read through Kindle Unlimited, the publisher receives a small royalty per page read. It used to be about a quarter of a penny per page, although I heard it recently took a nosedive. For me, I receive a fraction of the quarter penny per page as my (laughs) publisher gets their cut. It's a better deal for self-published authors. So it's not a lot of money, but it does add up. Honestly, KDP Select constitutes a significant portion of my rather meager royalties. So what's the downside? Funny, you should ask. Entering KDP Select creates a 90-day exclusive arrangement. During that time, Kindle Unlimited is the only version of that style of service that can supply your book. Authors who decide to avoid KDP Select are described as, quote, going wide. For instance, toward the end of the year, we're going to unenroll all of my books from KDP Select and distribute them on Nook and various other services. We'll do this for 90 or 180 days and evaluate the results. If we find them lacking, we'll return to KDP Select. Enough of that. Citadel of the Fallen mm-hmm. has an audiobook. Go check it out. It's Mm. the only place you can hear a European man in desperate need of coffee slowly read Citadel of the Fallen. (laughs) That being said, (laughs) 
He went through the trouble of finding background audio for every chapter. He used a neato demonic filter for some of the demons and even got his girlfriend to voice the demon queen, J.R. Conkle. <laughs> After reading that, uh, I just straight up bought the audio version of it. Mm-hmm. So I had to experience this. So, so yes, if uh, audiobook is more your thing and you haven't yet read Citadel of the Fallen, or maybe you have and want to experience it another way, check out the audiobook. I kind of <laughs> want to check that out. That's uh, I, I like audiobooks when they actually add in you know the sound effects and you know especially if you've got a really good reader. Yeah, you know narrating it's it's yeah. it can be so much fun and i also gotta admit i didn't even know nook was still around oh, i didn't yeah. know that was still a thing and a related story i mean steve <laughs> held on to his well past you know <laughs> the point of you know well and being functional and he, oh yeah i actually eventually just used it as a prop in a show yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it fell out of the guy's pocket and the screen went nuts and I was oh like, no I, I don't even care yeah uh but i still have my nook library uh-huh. so i did it download the nook app oh, okay. and that still got that in there the activision xbox deal has officially closed 20 months after it was first announced Cloud streaming providers across Europe were able to, are able to stream Activision Blizzard games on their platforms and confirms that, confirms that, quote, today we start the work to bring beloved Activision Blizzard and King franchises to Game Pass and other platforms, unquote. Uh, Diablo 4, Call of Duty, and Overwatch 2 all feature prominently alongside a suite of pre-existing Microsoft games, both of those that have long been owned by the company, like Sea of Thieves, and, and those that are more recent additions, like Fallout 76. The, the Activision Xbox deal was first announced in January 2022, where Microsoft set out its agreement to... Uh, purchase the software giant for more than $69 billion. Uh, Since then, however, several anti-monopoly legal obstacles stood in the way of the acquisition. Uh, Sony, understandably, was a major opponent of the deal going through, but issues around cloud gaming also hindered Xbox's progress, particularly in the UK, where the Competition and Markets Authority stood firm for a long time until Microsoft agreed to concessions that allowed the deal to go through. Some good news uh, with this uh, Activision CEO Bobby Kotick. Fuck that guy. Is leaving Activision at the end of the year. Ah, yeah. Because he's already a ridiculously filthy, wealthy guy. And he's also a horrible, terrible, caustic, disgusting person. Well, you got it right when you said filthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, so, I still can't believe that went through. I mean, I had hope when they filed antitrust against this. And the Biden administration tried to block the merger because, hey, we haven't blocked any of these other mega mergers over the, you know, last 20 years. So maybe this time we'll finally get some justice in this whole thing. And of course not. Big business wins out in the again, in the end again. It's called a plutocracy, people. We live in it. (laughs) I just it's like it's so crazy because every single point that was brought up of why this merger should not be approved was never really addressed. Even all these concessions they made, they're not binding. They did the same thing when Activision and Blizzard merged. And uh, what was the most recent one that... Uh, the, the, oh, uh, Live Nation and Ticketmaster. Oh, yeah. Which, which all the quote-unquote concessions they made, they never instituted. And 
nobody in Congress batted an eye. They're like, oh, well, you know, they promised they, they would do this. So that's good enough for us. And it's been a shit it's, show ever since. It's every single mega corporation that does this. They, they, they make promises they never keep and nobody holds them accountable. And it just kills me. I mean, Activision Blizzard was a bad enough company as it is. I can't imagine how how completely horrible and caustic it's going to be under Microsoft because Microsoft doesn't typically get too heavily involved unless there's some kind of a lawsuit. You know, with all these companies they buy, because there's it's too big of a company for them to really oversee any of these other companies they bought. Programmers, and that it's not too late to unionize. Yeah, that toxic <laughs> culture that Activision yeah. Blizzard had, I have a feeling it's just going to be more widespread now that they've got a lot of money behind them. I mean, even more so than they did before. Yay! Nothing like making terrible, terrible people even more rich and unaccountable to anything. And if you had watched Fall of the House of Usher... Uh-huh, yeah. This would. Why don't you just tell me to watch Follow the House of Usher, Kay, instead of. Because I know that you need it explained to you. You're a rebel, (laughs) Jeff. You're not going to go out and do something just because someone tells you to do it. But if they give you a reason. Mm -hmm. You're a loner, Dottie. A rebel. A rebel. Marvel Studios TV division is in the process of revamping how they do things. Yep. Woo! Marvel's been doing things in an unconventional way in regards to their shows, and it's been causing some headaches. They had to fire the writers recently and directors of Daredevil Born Again because of the quality of the show. Uh, They're now figuring out how to properly handle the development of their TV shows. As the Hollywood Reporter explains, quote, the company eschewed the traditional TV making model. It didn't commission pilots, but instead shot entire $150 million plus seasons of TV on the fly. And it didn't hire showrunners, but instead depended on film executives to run its series. And as Marvel does for its movies, it relied on post-production and reshoots to fix what didn't work. Uh, The report goes on to say that uh, those who work with Marvel on TV projects have complained of lack of central vision and have begun to affect the studio shows with creative differences and tension. As it moves forward, Marvel will now be hiring, hey, showrunners. What? The studio will also be hiring full-time TV executives instead of borrowing executives from its film division. Uh, Winderbaum said, quote, we need executives that are dedicated to this medium, that are going to focus on streaming, focus on television, because they are two different forms, unquote. Uh, Showrunners will write pilots for the series along with show Bibles. I I also love in that Hollywood Reporter story, uh, or maybe it was Deadline, one of those where they actually cite how She-Hulk was finished because the original showrunner, they fired her like quarter of the way into the series but then they brought her back at the end to basically do the editing and everything. So the only reason that show was was as successful as it was was because somebody with a unifying vision came in at the end and made the filmed footage and some, I guess they did minor reshoots on that one made it a, a cohesive series. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after reading. Writers. After Who'd reading thought? this, looking back at it, it all makes sense. Yeah. yeah no, I, really I, I, I thought the same thing. I mean, they got lucky with uh, with Hawkeye. And WandaVision. 
And Wanda, well, yeah, WandaVision, really lucky because that was the most successful of them. But all the others have been kind of meh. I mean, you know, I enjoy them because mm-hmm. it's more Marvel mm-hmm. universe and it does expand the story base because, you know, some of it does creep into the movies and stuff. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, I'm like, this could be so much better. Yeah. Well, the one quote that I saw in one of those stories was that um, that the t- going forward, the TV shows are going to be their own thing as opposed to trying to set up the next movie. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> well, well, e- but even some of them were that, but still had that disjointed yeah. feeling. Moon Knight's a fine example of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love Moon Knight, uh, but watching that was like mm, it took me a quite a few going away from it and coming back to it to finish it. Yeah, it <laughs> felt really disjointed, really, really bad. Yeah, mm. that's right. It was Jessica Gao that was the one that uh, was responsible for She Hulk, and kudos to her for, you know coming back and and finishing your yeah your your vision for what it's supposed to be especially after you know getting let go i mean who would want to come back after that it's like oh you're firing me fuck you (laughs) (laughs) but at on the same token it you could see it as like oh i'm getting a second opportunity to do what i wanted to do in the beginning so yeah Filmmaker Michelle Danner, the, who did the runner, Miranda's victim, has signed on to direct outer space sci-fi action thriller titled Helios. The film is based on a script by Patricia A. Beninati, who did a Hubble, 20 Years of Discovery, and Michael K. Anderson, who did The Wonder Show, and Bernard Moore. The story, quote, is set in the year 2030, following the crew of a spaceship Helios on an urgent mission to the International Space Station. When a massive solar flare from an incoming cataclysmic solar storm hits the station on a collision course with Earth. It's up to astronomer and former NASA astronaut Jess Denver and Air Force Colonel Sam Adler to team up and save humanity, unquote. Uh, Producers of the project were originally eyeing a 2023 shoot, but that looks like it's 2024 after the the strike things. Yeah. So Helios. It sounds, I mean, I I know that there's been another movie with that title, but I mean, who knows? <laughs> it, it's it the theme. The theme sounds familiar, but then it's, again, <laughs> it's so, sounds like Armageddon mixed with the Sandra Bullock space movie. Yeah, yeah. it does kind of. <laughs> yeah, now that you gra- mention it, uh, gravity, uh, armor, gravity, armor, armor, gravity. There <laughs> <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> but I, Gravageddon. So sadly, and again, I don't know the. I don't know the CV of anyone writing or producing this, but it just, it sounds like yet another in a series of sci-fi movies written by people who do not understand science because there's no way a team of a, of two astronauts is going to save earth from a solar flare. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You need at least four. Bruce Willis taught us that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and look what happened to him. Yeah. Well, um, <sighs> So, you know, and yeah, I mm. yeah, and it's I mean, it might be fun, who knows, but I I just get tired of these sci-fi movies where where the sci-fi is all in the trappings. Yeah, they, but it might as well be, you know, they take creative license too far. Yeah. It's like you got to have some basis in in 
gr- grounded in reality. Yeah, did when the Martian doing... teach us nothing? You can yeah. actually have a sci-fi yes. show that it's successful. One minor exception. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Basically treats the science with some respect. Yep. <sighs> Dynamite and Warner Brothers Discovery Global Consumer Products have announced that they are partnering up to release a range of comic books and graphic novels inspired by some of Warner's most popular franchises and characters. The first one they'll release is a Thundercats comic book series, which comes from writer Delcon Shalvey, who did uh, Alien, Deadpool vs. Old Man Logan, and Old Dog, and she'll be joined by artist Drew Moss, did Gargoyles, Dark Ages, Vampirella, Red Sonja, and Copperhead. The Thundercats series, quote, aims to be a refreshing yet timeless take on the classic mythos and characters, pulling from Shalvey's ability to weave complex narratives alongside the striking visuals from Moss. The initial storyline is currently planned to delve into the earliest days on Third Earth, the world that the Thundercats are forced to survive on after escaping their original home. With an origin approach in part, the title will explore untold histories and new challenges for Lionel, Chitara, and the rest of the group, unquote. Other comics that will be developed include The Flintstones, The Powerpuff Girls, Space Ghost, Johnny Quest, yeah! The Wizard of Oz, We Bear Bears, and more. Wow. Well, I'll be on board for that Johnny Quest thing if they do it right. Oh, I, can anybody do it right after Venture Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> Almost makes me want to ask Mumra what he thinks about that, yeah. but... I don't want to open that door. <laughs> no one wants to open that door. <laughs> no, we, it's we been bricked, closed for a while. We put bricks in front of that thing. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, just to keep the stench back. Although occasionally we hear the bells jingle. <laughs> but um, eh, I mean, they've done those comics before. Yeah, they've they've all been done under well. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, except Johnny Quest and I. No, they nope. had a co- Johnny Quest comic series. Yeah. It was a good one in yeah. the 80s. Oh, yeah. the, the Space Ghost produced some beautiful Alex Ross covers. Uh, and then, of course, uh, famously, the Thundercats had... Uh, a the dreaded turn. Thundercats. Dark, dark turn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be cool, I guess. This last summer, Paramount Plus revealed they are canceling the animated series Star Trek Prodigy after only one season. The second season had been made, but was not getting released. But here comes Netflix. They swooped in to save the day, announcing they will take over the series, releasing its final season later this year and the never-before-seen season two sometime in 2024. A statement from executive producer Alex Kurtzman and co-showrunners Dan and Kevin Hageman reads, Thank you to our incredible Star Trek Prodigy fans who champion not just a show, but a community that's always been connected by the belief that we will build a better future together. We set out to explore inspire you and you inspired us the team is still hard at work on the second season and we can't wait to share it with you the amazing fans from around the world unquote so another of the these let go shows popping up on other streaming services yeah it makes sense right i mean they're they can let it go for tax reasons like batgirl or they can you know, sell it and make some profit off it to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like, I mean, because the old practice, of course, I mean, occasionally series moved 
uh, channels, but networks. But overall, it was just like you cancel it and it's canceled. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. fucked. You're not yeah. going anywhere. They're going to hold on to it, even though it's canceled. Sure. So well, the fact that, that they're willing. It's what happened with uh, Clone Wars, right? Yeah. Clone Wars went to uh, Netflix after Disney canceled it. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Expanse went to Amazon after it got canceled. So I'm glad that they do that. I'm glad that yeah. the, the the contracts don't lock them down anywhere. Yeah. So um, that show, Prodigy, you know, I I started watching it, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, against my better judgment, just going, ah, it's for kids. It'll be, it'll be, but it'll be cute. You know, it'll be. That show actually grew on me, though. Yeah. The first couple episodes are a little, a little rough, little ham-fisted, maybe. Yeah. But. I think I want to say after episode three, I really started getting into it, and then when they did the the mid season break, I'm like, "What the fuck? Where yeah. are the rest of the episodes?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally getting to see that second half was was good. But, yeah, and, and then, then of course it, it it did suffer for a while of uh, you know the main character just being kind of a dick. Yeah, and it's just like, why do I even care about this? throw him out the airlock? Yeah, <laughs> but then. You know, it, he actually has an arc, and it becomes less of a dick as the show goes on. He like, actually okay. grows as a person. What? I know it's crazy. Bum, I, bum, bum. <laughs> so, um, and then yeah, it's got some fun cameos. Yeah. Uh, uh, Billy, Billy, uh, yeah, Billy Campbell yep. uh, shows up again as the outrageous Okona, uh, older, an older outrageous Okona, uh, and a lot of the. Um, uh, Voyager crew uh, makes uh, makes some reappearances, so it's fun, including uh, Star Trek: The Experience's own Bonnie Gordon. Uh, yeah, is the voice of the computer. Yeah, the computer and uh, she actually oh, voices a character yeah. as well that yeah, yeah. has an interaction with uh, Admiral Janeway. And nice. Yep. In fact, uh, interestingly enough, I just came. I was going through some of my pictures. I had a screen cap where. She talks about how that was one of the highlights of her career. Bonnie says this, and Kate Mulgrew replies, or replies rather. I had always meant to send that to Kirsten, and I forgot. Yeah, I saw it. I saw. Oh, it. I did. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was God one of those. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But speaking of uh, Batgirl, uh, there's a meme going around saying, "Congratulations to Batgirl for being the most profitable <laughs> Warner Brothers <laughs> yeah. movie of 2023." Uh, that still kills me because. <laughs> Uh, the interview with Brendan Fraser, where he's talking about that, I think it was like on Howard Stern, uh, surfaced on YouTube, and I watched it. And he's saying, I mean, it's Brendan Fraser, so he's probably just being himself, but he's saying all these positive things about shooting the project and how nobody has seen this film other than some secret screening they did that was an unfinished project while the directors were out of the country. Yeah. That basically nobody knows what the finished film was going to look like. Yeah. Uh, uh, they even, they, they barely had a rough cut done. Yeah. It's, it's becoming more and more apparent that all of the, uh, all of the negative talk about it was yeah. just to justify. Yes, exactly. A, a tax run off. Everyone that was involved with it is saying, I don't know what the hell they were talking about. This movie was going to be great. Because, and... I mean, they must have had some hardcore NDA because nobody that has, quote, seen this rough cut has talked about it. Yeah. There's not one person that has come out and said, I saw it and I hated it. 
it justify it, you know they're justified the in taking the tax credit. Zaslav. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, so did um, uh, Gunn's co-partner um, Saffron. Saffron uh, came out saying there was a reason we we canned it. And that, well, in his, I, I'm paraphrasing. But yeah, yeah. In their case, it's because they're trying to get a blank slate as quickly as they can, so they can relaunch the whole, whole thing. Like he said something like it was unreleasable. I'm like, it wasn't even done. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't of course finished, it was so, unreleasable. You know, probably still a lot of green screens. Or, right or that, there or in that the could shots. that could also be him <laughs> tiptoeing around the fact that it was an incomplete film, but he's also trying not to Con- piss off the uh, the uh, Yeah, Big exactly. Man, uh, boy. He's walking that fine line. Yeah, which wouldn't surprise boy. me given his track record, so has, uh, uh Saffron that is. Yeah. Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi have big ambitions for the future of the Evil Dead franchise, and they're currently preparing for the future. The plan is to release a new Evil Dead movie every two to three years. When asked on the AV Club about making larger-scale Evil Dead films, Campbell responded, quote, The only problem with that is that it can get out of hand if we jump into that world too quickly, and it's hard to get back. I think the stories will progress a little more now. We're going to try to do them like every two, three years rather than every ten years. He went on to talk about an Evil Dead Bible, saying, quote, It's also the first time Sam is working with his brother Ivan to create an overall Bible that will give future writers and directors an idea of where this thing should go next to potentially tie into some of these stories. So I think it's going to get a little more tied in as the years go by. But because it's all about the books, it could be a book in the past, a book in the future. It's yet to be determined, unquote. And to this, I say yes. Yes, yeah. please. Yes, that Evil Dead Rise, if that was the first salvo of a potential new set of movies going forward, I am here for it. <laughs> oh, that movie is joy. Just the right amount of comedy, just the right amount of ick, and just the right, right amount of terror. It's a great film. Cool. I'll it's been popping up. It's been on the radar. And I'm just like, now, Campbell's just moved into producing, right? He's he's not in that at all. Yeah. If, he, yeah. If, he, if he is, he's some hidden character I never noticed. Well, I just, I, <laughs> the reason I brought it up is because, I mean, I know that he's, he, even on uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, he was uh, a producer along with Raimi. So he had uh, some say in how they were doing things. But yeah, that he also said that was probably the last time you'll see Ash on the big screen maybe behind the scenes a lot of those producer credits yeah. are just to get the star back in the show and well so they yeah get a bigger, they get a bigger cut of the back end you're not wrong <laughs> i mean i'm willing to bet money that tom willing had very little to say about the direction of smallville in the second oh, two yeah. seasons that well, was just there to you mean the last two yeah they sign him up to still be in the so they still had a show <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. Some of the uh, Talkville podcast does seem to indicate that he had a little bit of say as a producer towards the end, but well, yeah, still, but but no, probably no tights, not. No flights. Yeah, probably not as much as he would have <laughs> liked. But then again, he was also kind of a go with the flow kind of guy. Yeah, except uh, for, for no, I'm not going to wear glasses. Yeah. No, I'm not going to put yeah. the tights on. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> and finally, uh, Garth Ennis, the co-creator of comic book series Preacher and The Boys, is jumping into the world of James Bond with an all-new comic series. 
Uh, mm-hmm. This is going to be, quote, much darker take on the 007 franchise than we've seen before. And the inspiration behind the story is going to tell is rooted in the novels of Ian Fleming. James Bond number one is being developed for Dynamite Comics, and Ennis will be joined by veteran James Bond comic artist Rafa Labosco, and the story is titled Your Cold, Your Heart, unquote. The synopsis reads, a relic of the Cold War, the deadly compound Stadfoda, roughly meaning steel water in Russian, is thought to have achieved the impossible, the holy grail of arms manufacturers. Is it possible to kill an enemy without inflicting any visible damage and leaving no trace whatsoever? Right as the weapon is perfected, though, it escapes the lab. MI6 naturally assigns their top operative to the hunt. Uh, and it said in, an, in the announcement, quote, when I took a look at the bond of the Fleming novels, as opposed to the larger than life figure from the movies, I saw a great deal more potential and a much darker character in a more interesting world, unquote. And you can look for James Bond number one on the shelves in January of 2024. Hmm. Garth Ennis yeah. writing James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on board with that idea. Kudos to whoever had the pocketbook to make that decision happen. I'd be really Uh, fascinated to see where he goes with that. Dynamite has actually had a a whole series of James Bond. uh, Oh, sure. uh, Yeah. Miniseries. So, yeah. But, yeah, this is getting Garth Ennis. That's a nice. That's something special. Yeah. And, uh, frankly, if I were king king of uh, Eon Productions, I would just say, you know what? Let's just make the future movies period pieces. James Bond is a character that really does work best in the Cold War. Yeah, I, I, I kind of got to agree with you on that one. Cause, uh, I say that would be a great TV series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You know, do a 007 TV series. Yeah. and uh, Yeah, like the Jack Ryan series. Yeah. 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 Good. So. But make them period, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Although the way you read that first sentence, uh, Preacher and the Boys, I'm like, now I want to see that crossover. <laughs> Make it happen, right. Garth Ennis. Yeah, really. <laughs> or a crossed over. Ah, uh, I see uh, what you did there. Ah. Uh. <laughs> and you have something to add to all this? Write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com. And I want to thank our footlong Chili Dog Tier 2 members, Mike M., Mama Ninja Scoop, Heidi Johnson, David Hydebreyer, Scoop Bucky, Aaron Esquire, Minty Scoop, Two is One, Leon Mitt, and Scoopy Ramon. And of course, our Tier 4 members, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, Tier 5 members, Jeff Harris, Aussie Matt, Mad Martron, Glumley, Atomic Gumby, and you, dear listener, thank you. And a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. If you like the song, it's called The Burning Light. And you can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitch. And, uh, Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Now, if you are a Kobe, Kofi member, uh, stay tuned because we're now going to record a little Aftershock, a little bonus show we do for all of our Kofi members. And if you want to know more about that, go to ko-fi.com slash geekshock. Any tier you join, get you those for free. Until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander Kofi. <laughs> With Professor Biggs. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek, where we'll find out how much Barry loved his gift. Oh, yeah. Didn't... Spoiler alert, he probably hates it. <laughs> I guess it wasn't... Like everything. I guess it wasn't Ennis, because there was... Years ago, There, I remember reading an interview of some comic writer talking about 007. And one of the interesting things about it was uh, 
made the comment uh, when somebody was like, oh, how do you address things like the misogyny and man, man, man? He's like, well, one of the problems there, in this writer's opinion, he was like, people don't, he's a misanthrope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he isn't, he doesn't like anybody. So he, and he's not a well adjusted character either. No. Yeah. But yeah. this is, are we whole... still talking about Vlarg? <laughs> yeah, this little thing when people talk about Mamet being a being a misogynist, I'm like, have you read Mamet? He's a misanthrope. He doesn't like anyone. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, Glengarry Glenaris is all guys, and they're all horrible. Yeah, and actually, the Bond in the books falls yeah. in love. Yeah. Falls in love a couple times. Is oh, yeah. always burned by it. I was just going to say later stories. He has a kid. I was just going to say if your only exposure to James Bond is the film version the book version is far different what yeah. i mean there's only yeah. hints of well, that character well, if you're going to like in the o- movies. only live twice there yeah. there is no yeah there's nothing nothing at all, at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the only bond book that is anywhere similar to its uh, movie counterpart is from russia with love yeah that's the closest goldfinger and dr no are also close not as close as Russia, no, though. No, no, that is. You're right. In fact, all, the the almost because when you watch Russia with Love as a movie, it almost stands apart from the rest of them for mm-hmm. being a little more a little more dry, a little more realistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's because it's more novel like. Yeah. And it's funny because I was as a kid, that was one of my least favorite of the Bond films because it's why. just it's so dry. But as an adult, you're like, oh, okay, I see. You. There's a lot more nuance and a lot more. Yeah. Like a lot more things going on in and, the in that particular movie. So and for the particular description of Bond, I'd say in our mythical TV series period piece, Tom Hiddleston. I oh. could get behind that. Yes, please. I could get behind yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I can. If he dyes his hair black. See, I want. Well, see, I want. I hair. want a live action James Bond who's six foot. <laughs> Something. Have you seen the latest season of Loki? He's used to dyeing his hair black. Okay, cool. Yeah. And who's, who's got black hair with the with the comma of hair that keeps falling over the eye and the three inch scar on his right cheek? I want that live action Bond at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want John Lydon to play Bond. <laughs> Johnny Rotten. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Not that he'd be a good Bond, but he'd be an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> like Nicolas Cage would be an interesting Superman. Yes. <laughs> Nicolas Cage as Bond. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. A money penny. Uh, uh, you know, these people, they come out and they just have these ideas. And then they, they just want to kill them. Okay, I'm no longer on board. Oh. Okay. <laughs>